Welcome everyone to the last video store clerks podcast with Frank and Scott. The days of blockbuster Hollywood and the independent video store are over. But the days of searching the shelves for hidden gems and overlooked cult classics is never ending. Join us while we drown in a sea of streaming options and ask the question, what the hell is a good movie anyway? I'm Frank. I'm Scott. And we're the last video store clerks. (laughs) (laughs) So today we watched uh, SLC Punk. I haven't seen it since I was in high school. When was the last time you watched this movie? Probably right after high school. It is a very different movie than the one I left it as way back then. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What all have you watched this week? You said you watched Bad Vegan. Bad Vegan. I've been a fan of the true crime series that have been on Netflix. I saw Bad Vegan for some reason. I didn't turn it off. Is it a true? I don't know. Based on a true story. Yeah. This woman who owned a restaurant in New York. Uh, Long story short, she got into some debt. Then she was trying to pay the debt. The business was doing better. She met a mystery man. So this is like a crime against her? That's the whole thing. Was it a crime against her? Was she in on it the whole time? Oh, okay. It comes down to was she taken advantage of or was she a part of the scheme? What I want to know is at the end, did did you watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. It was four parts. Did they solve the thing? Is there any sort of justice or anything like that at the end? I'm not going to say justice was served. But I mean, does it feel like you completed the story? You know what I mean? Like, I I know all I need to know about that because I'm getting fucking sick of watching true crime documentaries that have no resolution. Like, I I get when you what you mean by that. You can tell a good story about an unsolved case and he's still out there kind of thing because Unsolved Mysteries did it for a decade or more. But I feel like Netflix is really grasping at straws with some of these unsolved murders that are really unsatisfying documentaries to watch. It's the same HBO did that Scientology or no, it wasn't Scientology. I'm sorry. The, uh, what was the cult with the girl from Nexium? Nexium cult. Yeah. So I watched that whole thing. Those people are very, I, that's why I confuse it with Scientology is because they're all like, in the film industry. Yeah. And it, it takes some money to get in the club. Well, they really like being on camera. They really liked it. So it was kind of hard to feel so bad for them. It, in a little way, you're like, you got out before you accidentally did anything illegal. It was a status thing and it was a choice. Yeah. Once I mean, you started I know feeling that, like yeah, something I, wasn't on like the level, legit, get the fuck out. Yeah, legit. A lot of them did and had trouble. And there's there's a lot of layers to that. I, yeah, you stop know, those giving people. people these money. Stop believing in these. Um, yeah, and I, I feel for them in, in all the regards that you should uh, for another human being that got swindled. But like at the same time, while they're making the documentary, like I just felt a little bit like this is my chance to get my face on the camera again uh, to be out there and have this Hollywood career I'm getting they, they like the attention for sure but it didn't change any of my feelings about Keith Rainier but then at the same time at the end of it they were talking about making a second season of it and I was like why the fuck would you do that like <laughs> like I'll follow it in the news thank I like I don't want to follow these people anymore yeah it's still in the news and documentaries are still popping up here and there Bad Vegan was something I hadn't heard about Sarma was her name that is one of the issues though is she she wasn't your common person i feel like it's a wealth issue you know there's a status thing here where justice wasn't served as fully as it should have been yeah well it never is well it was fine like watching the jinx did you watch the jinx i didn't finish the jinx okay so like at the end of the jinx you're like oh i i know case without solved. a doubt without, without a, a doubt, doubt i felt you know but there was more to cover i don't necessarily want to watch everybody go to court and be sentenced and all that stuff i'm okay with that like police procedural like we got them and you're like don't even <laughs> think about the fact that they're there's two years worth of court shit that's going to go on. And we're never going to show me drop this fucking leather jacket and go to court. You know? like, exactly. Like, I'm fine with that. I don't want to see all the court proceedings unless that's the main focus of the documentary. Bad Vegan, I was left empty in a sense that I'm not sure what actual
actually happened because there's two ways it could have gone down. Either way, she was taken advantage of or she was a part of it. But either way, she had several chances to stop is my point. I, but I think we're, we're reaching a point where we're running out of crimes that are interesting to make documentaries about. I mean, I'll watch the John Wayne Gacy tapes thing. I watched the Bundy tapes and I was kind of mad that there was no real murder in it. Like, I felt like that Bundy tapes thing was a lot of them being like, isn't he cool? Well, <laughs> yeah. and like we were talking about, Night Stalker was good. Yeah, Night Stalker was really good. Making a murderer? Making a murderer didn't need a second season. It didn't. And that second season was just, I'm not even going to call it bonus footage, just footage unused and yeah. then with a little bit of update at yeah. the same time and that's a good segue to archive 81 got canceled mm. i didn't know it was not over like didn't you tell your story i felt good with that i don't know why everything needs to wrap up in a tight bow because i feel like a lot of series like a series ending and it being over even if it's just one season that's a good thing, man. You got the whole story. Like my two new favorite words are limited series. Yeah, seriously. Because limited series. How many years of our life did we have to go with all these really great TV shows that never had any sort of resolution to them? Or if it was, it was this tacked on like and they had kids and it's all good. Or there's a writer's strike or the writers just got bored when they found out it was going to get canceled or the writers said, "Fuck it, we're getting canceled." Fuck it, let's go all in. Yeah, and that doesn't happen as often anymore. And then there's a lot of series that they go so far past their expiration date. Showtime is the guiltiest party as far as <laughs> the like. They will take a series way too far. Dexter went a little I too long. I knew you long. were going to start with Dexter. Yeah, Weeds went too long. Shameless went too long. Weeds what else? did go too long. They yeah. beat that to death. And I love Californication Weeds. went too long. Like he was never. They were never going to get back together. In the like, they were still going to be Hank and Karen at the end of it you know so find a different story plot and end with it did you feel as if it was wrapped up I didn't necessarily feel like it was fully wrapped up but I didn't think that there was more story to tell and at that point you're just following the characters there was lots of good stuff after that Rob Lowe being a weirdo it's like one long side story but you watch at the end of a show when a the writers are trying to struggle their way out of this hole they don't have an ongoing story anymore to tell the only thing that you're waiting for is to get these two characters together. And I said, I've said it like millions of times when you put the characters together, the show's over, you know, and that's with every show. When, when he finds the mother and how I met your mother, the show's over. But so archive 81, you believe that the end of that first season was a, okay, there's a second season coming moment. No, I didn't feel like that at all. I felt like this is a end of a good horror movie moment. You know, I was like, we solved all the problems, but the characters fucked. Yes. You know, and that's me not giving anything away. You should watch Archive 81. It was fantastic. It was a really, really great horror series. Original, too. I've never seen anything like that, necessarily. With the amount of, like, it's got time travel and it's a horror. A Lovecraft kind of uh, Adam Neville cosmic horror thing. It was really effective. And it had, like, a dark ending to that season. Sure, we could follow him further find out what happens but they're all alive and what more can you ask for and that's the thing there's plenty of handheld horror movies out uh supernatural movies out there yeah everybody does but this one <laughs> the way that they did this one because it, it's taking place in two different times yeah and to be clear some of it feels like found footage but they zoom out it's not a found footage thing if you're it's turned off not, by that would you not say it's a found footage 
In, well, I, I would say it's a found footage a thing in a sense. the weirdest meta layered, like in a good way. If sense. you broke it down, it's a found footage. Yeah, it's a, it's a show for anyone who hasn't looked into this. It's a show about a guy who is piecing together footage from a fire. It gets more and more complicated as the show goes on. It was based on a podcast. Was it really? It was. It was based on a podcast. Yeah, I, uh, which I kind of wonder what that podcast is like. It's it's definitely something different. I'm for it. They made a cool TV series. I like. It, I wasn't 100% satisfied with the ending, but I get it. Yeah. I don't need a happy ending, but that ending was just a little extra. Uh, I liked it. I'm I'm that jerk that likes that ending everybody fucking hates. Okay. Like yeah, when they're yeah, real yeah. mad at the end, like the inception, everyone wanted to argue like about the inception <laughs> ending. And I was like, who gives a shit, man? Didn't you watch the movie? It was great. You're going to let that spinning top fucking ruin your fucking life? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I didn't dwell on it for too long. Oh, I got so sick of talking about it. I didn't it. dwell on that one for too long at all. I didn't even feel the need to rewatch it right away. You know, sometimes with those Christopher Nolan movies, you want to rewatch it. Yeah, you want to kind of be like, what happened in that? And then... Oh, oh, I've watched miss- Tenant like seven times now. Yeah, you I've, told me about I that. I really <laughs> like Tenant. It's a really good time travel movie. But these series will go on for so long, and then they're remaking so many things. It's hard to find things that are new. When you first told me Archive 81 was canceled, that was the first thing that came to mind. I felt better. I felt better. Yeah. Knowing that nothing else was going to happen. Even though I wasn't 100% satisfied with the ending, the fact that they were going to make a season two and then it didn't happen, it was closure. In that sort of uh, slow burn horror kind of way, where like I almost feel a little more detached from the characters Mm -hmm. than I did with some other horror thing that focused just in on one person and yeah th- I think it was a good ending I like that oh fuck me kind of ending you didn't want it to be hunky dory everybody's fine reunited we're good yeah. oh and there's this new relationship I wouldn't have liked it as much if it had if it has a happy ending I'm I'm less interested I always felt like good at the end of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie because I was like that girl's crazy now <laughs> you know, like that final girl that gets away yeah even if she gets away she's not getting away you know she's damaged yeah I think Rob Zombie did that really well too I think that's the thing Rob Zombie is good at because House of a Thousand Corpses is a homage movie at best Devil's Rejects it was kind of disturbing yeah Devil's Rejects he he found what he had and was you know let's yeah he let's was go like a oh, little yeah. deeper and it was like almost an anti Quentin Tarantino thing where it's like you're not going to be thrilled by the violence you're going to be a little repulsed by what these people are doing but I'm going to make you follow them one thing I could really appreciate was the level of raunchiness in Devil's Rejects just that you felt grimy you felt dirty when you were watching some of that it was sick yeah it took its time a little bit fucking sick yeah 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 I blew someone's mind telling him I was like you know Chris Hardwick is in House of a Thousand Corpses right fat Chris Hardwick the last person that I told that to it blew their mind people don't understand (laughs) that that's Chris Hardwick. Yeah, apparently Chris Hardwick calls himself Peter Hardwick during that time. He's like, that's my evil twin, Peter Hardwick. (laughs) Dwight's in it too. If you're a fan of The Office, yeah, there's Dwight. Yeah, and I told him to rewatch it because House of a Thousand Corpses is a different movie later. It's it's one of those movies, like I didn't think any of the Final Destination movies were good when they came out because I was all screamed out by then. Everything was that scream formula, meta horror kind of thing. Know what you did last summer. Yeah. Still know what you did last summer. Yeah, but those are really good to go back and watch they're of their time and urban legend yeah oh, i haven't rewatched that oh <laughs> <laughs> with pacey in it from <laughs> dawson's creek joshua jackson well, and then yeah and then you uh, fucking cake eater <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> 
Joshua Jackson, fucking put me in coach, flying V. <laughs> I heard they were going to make a Mighty Ducks movie again, and Emilio Estevez was going to be in it. Disney Plus, man, it's there. Oh, it's there? It, it happened. happened. Did Emilio Estevez? He's in it. Oh, my God. I started it, and it's one of those things where I just needed to see it. I didn't really plan on watching the whole thing. I just needed to see that it happened, and uh, I didn't turn it back on. I don't know if I would have liked it. I just, yeah, I just had to see that it was a thing. So, yeah, we started the first episode. I don't know about that, man. I watched the first episode of Fuller House, and I was like, that's enough of that. Yeah, we did the same thing there, too. <laughs> I don't need everything back. You know, I'm happy. I watched Halloween Kills this week. I'm more than happy if you're going to make a sequel to an old movie with the original actor. And I like this age of the middle-aged actress. I mm -hmm. like seeing older ladies in movies, especially Jamie Lee Curtis deserves everything she fucking has. She was the original Scream Queen, and she's still still doing it. The original Final Girl. I can't think of one that I remember before that. You know? No, no. I, I remember before that, like, a lot of Friday the 13th. Well, yeah, and I, the comedies, too, you know, trade places <laughs> my name is Mila, jamie lee curtis and true lies how many times am i going to bring up true lies true lies true lies is the epitome of james cameron movies and i i'm excited to see this uh magnum opus of michael bay you know, <laughs> you know. did michael I mean, bay make the ninja turtles movies uh, the most recent one, that, yeah, new, the, that, yeah. that reboot. Yeah, I don't know who made the original ones. I watched the original Ninja Turtles a few years ago, and it fucking holds up, man. It's a good movie. Yeah, more recently I watched two, Secret of the Use. Not as good. Go Ninja, go Ninja, Yeah, but go. the special effects, you can't beat the fucking animatronics of that. I don't want to see CGI Ninja Turtles. We got Ninja Turtles that really were Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, life size. Yeah, and they had ninjas inside them. <laughs> Thank God for Jim Henson. Yeah. No, those movies are great. The third one, you know, <laughs> there's not much to say. Different April every time. April from the second movie was The Mom and the 100. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paige Truco. Oh, damn. I think Dang, you're right. I yeah. am good at those B actors. That's a good one. I had to look her up <laughs> just to make sure. For a long time, I got her confused with, uh, what's the Desperate Housewives one that was in Lois and Clark? Uh, she was also in the movie with Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Brain, Brain Smasher, Smasher. A love story. <laughs> Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Terry yeah, Hatcher. I, I would get Paige Truco confused with Terry Hatcher. Oh, um, Terry Hatcher was also in Tales from the Crypt. Oh, they all were. Wasn't the uh, the lead singer of The Who was in Tales from the Crypt? <gasps> really? Yeah. It was like a, an episode where they unearthed something in Egypt. I want to say it was a mummy thing. Might have been later in the series. Like I said, there's a lot of Tales from the Crypt. Jamie Lee Curtis was not in Tales from the Crypt. No, she wasn't. <laughs> she didn't need to be at that point. The no. first Halloween movie is so good, and Halloween Kills was over the top in the best way possible. That's what I've heard. I have not yet seen Halloween Kills. I saw the last one. Yeah, I, I, I watched the other one. I realized halfway through watching Halloween Kills that I was, has somehow forgot to watch the one before it. <laughs> <laughs> it's at that point. Where, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there were some clips, and I was like, what the fuck was that? And then... <laughs> Like, I don't remember that. Yeah, and I went back and watched it. And man, fucking it was awesome. Jamie Lee Curtis was so good in that Halloween sequel reboot. I'm okay with that, though. You can do that, but just don't beat things to death. And you she know? was in, a, what was it, Halloween H2O? And, and don't remake everything. <laughs> They're remaking The Crow with Bill Skarsgård, which, excellent choice. If you're going to pick somebody to play The Crow, Pennywise, do it. That, that sounds good. But also, don't remake The Crow. Stop. 
Yeah, we don't remakes. really need that. And The Crow was so fucking 90s. It's going to be really hard to pull that off. There's not a lot of goths around anymore, man. You know, no. it used to be when we were in high school. Every Halloween, someone was dressed like the fucking Well, I mean, crow. that's the thing. You, once you told me that, one of the first things I thought of was they're not going to change the genre of music in the in the film are they i think they just they know superhero movies are very popular right now so it's time to this was a superhero technically they beat that shit to death in the 90s like the first crow is good the second crow is it's fine the third crow i don't i don't think i even watched it <laughs> i think the third one i've seen the cover at a video store back in the day it was edward furlong and tara reed i swear they're in the third crow movie it's the weirdest combination of people that's so weird i kind of want to watch pet cemetery 2 again it's been a long time Oh, that yeah. one and we're for long before things got weird in life i feel like pet cemetery 2 might be even better now as like a standalone thing that's another one of those things that we were talking about continuing to make things that the source material has run out what do you do when you have to pull it out of your ass yeah like why is big little lies go more than one season i don't really understand that and i like it's okay with the uh, leftovers side note frank was in the leftovers i was in the leftovers <laughs> i was an extra i was a cop in jarden i was a jarden police officer yeah right there in the middle of frank too he's really in it he's yeah all up in I'm, it. I'm in there the first the first frame i saw was like part of my face and i was like oh there's there's my jawline that's my jaw and then i keep popping up it was amazing yeah but for leftovers the source material was completely different they re so they made a new story out of it i like following a small town sheriff i've told you this it's before. always good yeah and especially with some crazy storyline like that you know a what happened situation yeah and it got really damon lindelof as it went on and i really liked it but then it was as much as i loved that show that last season of it, the leftovers yeah it, see it, i love the end of the leftovers because it's, it's a fuck you ending but it started dragging <laughs> here and there there were points when i was like ah, i felt like i was stuck in quicksand it was like yeah was they may have been sludgy. given too many episodes to finish it yeah don't get me wrong i loved it every bit of it and it blew me away i need to actually go through and rewatch that again it's been a long time since i've rewatched that through and it, it that one won't take too much time three seasons it's a nice length man do you don't need we don't need 10 seasons of everything and big little lies i was late to the show on that one it took me forever to watch those and i wasn't aware that season two was kind of after the fact like, oh yeah after the book yeah let's yeah. see what we can do here stories have to end you know tell a good story get the fuck out i'm for the limited series even if you're remaking series yeah mike <laughs> what mike flanagan's doing with those hill house things yeah he's making books that have been made into movies before a lot of time has passed with those though and he's doing a really good job a little heavy on the fucking monologues, Mike. But what was the other one that I watched? The Vampire Series. The Vampire Series. Yeah, Midnight Mass. Oh, yeah. What he did with like Midnight Mass. Midnight was Mass. I've seen that. Yeah, it was great. Well, I mean, I haven't seen that. I've seen that on there. I was curious. Oh you my god, too many monologues, Mike <laughs> Flanagan. I really like. You remember when the caretaker in Hill House tells him the story, his story, mm -hmm. and they're in the basement. Yeah, and they never do a flashback or anything. It's just really intense. That fucking actor's great he was in halloween kills oh yeah the the actor that plays the caretaker i can't remember his name off the top of my head but man he was fucking that story about his wife and her getting pregnant and, and like the daughter in the house and it, it like oh i got goosebumps just now talking about it <laughs> <laughs> he really really got me with that part and uh i feel like he overdid it like too many fucking they're going back and watching hill house again was same thing like i was like oh there's a lot of monologues in this too so what can what was the name of that second one it was the Haunted, blind manor, Bly manor. yeah that's right 
So the haunting of Hill House was that one really scared the shit out of me sometimes. Yeah, it was spooky. And Bly Manor wasn't quite as good. And it also had too many fucking monologues. And he did the same thing in Black Mass. Kill your darlings, man. Cut some of these fucking monologues. His wife gave a kick-ass one. She's the one who wears the gloves in uh, Haunting a Hill House. Okay. Uh, I, lo- I love that actress. She's great. She was really good in Hush. Did you watch Hush? I didn't watch Hush, but I know who you're talking about. It. She's She's got a look that's it's versatile. She can deliver a lot of dialogue without breaking scene. And I'm always impressed by that. That was what I felt was so impressive about Clerk mm-hmm. was the, the just the amount of dialogue in a row without a single cut. I'm sure those guys were reading it off the news, you know, the porno magazine that he's reading. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. But like Mike, it, Mike Flanagan does it and it's really good when there's one or two of them. But in Midnight Mass, I felt like he did a monologue for every single character and it went way too fucking long. But still, limited series. You only have to deal with it for one season. Worth fucking watching. Midnight Mass was really, really good. Otherwise, it was a nice, like, new sort of like a Stephen King feel. To, and like, I'm not going to lie, I, I was interested in that, but I feel like other things were actually out at the time and I gave them priority. I think when I was telling you that I was watching that, you, you were a little put off by Blind Manor already. Every yeah, time because a character Blind Manor was, was a huge switch from Hill House. And I'm glad he went on and did Midnight Mass instead of doing another haunting thing because that the first one is Shirley Jackson's Haunting a Hill House and the second one is Turn of the Screw. Those two were like classic horror books and back then all the horror was of that like woman comes to a like she doesn't have any children a sort of like Sarah Plain and Tall person you know <laughs> oh man that's a fucking deep cut Sarah Plain and Tall old old Glenn Close <laughs> 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 fucking no one's seen Sarah playing at all except for me. <laughs> oh, man, I was more of a Pippi Longstockings you, guy. Do you guys want to talk about the bridges of Madison County? Get out of here. <laughs> Get- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Look, do you want to start talking about Richard Gere and Diane Lane movies? <laughs> I mean <laughs> If we want to go that route, we can go that route, but it's just going to be a different vibe, all right? <laughs> yeah, not unless we're just going to, you know, talk about the history of violence. The what? really good day. And like, Richard Gere, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to SLC, SLC Punk. Punk. There's a scene in that where there's like an apocalypse happening behind them when they're tripping on acid. I looked it up. Some of the trivia was that's from Terminator 2. The actual footage? That the, it was yeah, the same so footage? the footage of the atomic bomb going off in SLC Punk is Terminator 2. You know, there's only so many, I guess, clips of the cities getting getting blasted like that. For those that don't know, SLC Punk is the movie we watched this week, and it, it was a 1999 movie about punk rockers living in Salt, Salt Lake, Lake City, Utah. Utah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something I don't know about, but it takes place in the 80s, but the date is sort of ambiguous. So it's punk rock at its its height. This movie was not the movie that I thought I watched when I was in high school. I, this is one of those things when I talk about re-watching things from when you were younger and realizing they're good for a totally different reason, like how they make you read The Great Gatsby in high school. Mm-hmm. And you're too fucking young to understand that kind of heartache. Well, yeah. And I mean, I stand corrected. It was 1998. 1998. I can't believe I said that with certainty but yeah it's 98 which means that it actually came out at some point freshman year but I feel like by the time we watched it, were we sophomores or juniors? I don't know. Freshman year seemed like a really long time. It did. It went like on Like it's and a on. big, like, you know how some memories are bigger than others? Mm-hmm. Like if you, you, you know, you go to Six Flags and that's the only thing you remember that about that whole fucking year. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, so our, our freshman year, by the way, would have been 98, 99. So this this came out in 98. I mean, technically, this could have come out at the end of the time. We were in eighth grade. Yeah, and it was directed by, what, how do you pronounce that guy's name? James Merendino? Merendino, I think you're good with that. This movie was really good. It just wasn't good for the same reasons I liked it in high school. It has that Fight Club thing. You know, you watch Fight Club in high school and you want to burn the fucking world Yeah, you really felt it. You felt it. You were like, yeah. Yeah, you turn 30 and watch Fight Club, you're like, Tyler's a bad guy. Like, <laughs> this is the part of me that lives inside me and tells me to do bad things. Uh, can he just get some sleep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't need we don't need Tyler Durden's in the time of Twitter and Tinder, for instance. <laughs> yeah. But this one, this movie is Matthew Lillard. I feel like this was the height of Matthew Lillard, though. This is post-Scream. Yeah, right there, mid-late 90s. I feel like he was getting some really good stuff. You know, on the low, he it was Serial Mom. Post-Scream, pre-Scooby-Doo. Pre-Scooby-Doo, he had just done probably Hackers. Yeah, Hackers, hacker, was a couple hackers years had to be 95-ish. I would say 95-ish. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like this movie was in a time where you're post-Kevin Smith, but pre-Judd Apatow making Kevin Smith movies, because that's really what I believe was, you know. <laughs> that's why I think Zach and Miri make a porno is Kevin Smith trying to make a Judd Apatow movie, and you were like, Judd Apatow made Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> like, what are you fucking What's going talking? on here, guys? Yeah, well, this is... This is breaking my brain, and you're not doing it very well. You're oh, making a cover song of a cover song you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought when you wanted to watch this movie this time, I was not going to like this, that I was going to be kind of disgusted with myself for how many times I watched this when I was in high school. I am disgusted that I watched Requiem for a Dream as many times as I did. I'm disgusted that I watched Kids so many Earth times. Yeah, because at the time, <laughs> it was like the wrong reasons for watching shit like this. I remember having a meltdown and, be, and telling someone at their house, like, I don't want to watch Requiem for a dream anymore it was too real yeah reckoning for a dream i can't believe you watched that that many times oh we watched kids a lot that yeah i don't know why we watched that harmony so corinne is hard yeah that was really intense to watch kids that many times now that i look back on it but but maybe we learned valuable lessons yeah you know speaking of 90 stars devin sawa is also in this is this post idle hands pre idle hands this is definitely annabeth gish like is also in this movie and this is pre X-Files, Annabeth Gish. But post hiding out. <laughs> what's what's hiding out? Uh, what was that guy? Man, name? you got me with something. Oh, it's an 80s movie about this guy. I believe he works on Wall Street or he does something with money. And he, he gets in trouble. And I think either the cops or the mob are after him. But he basically goes back to his hometown or a small town and pretends to be a high school student. <laughs> Tale as old as time. What's his name? It's the guy from Two and a Half Men. That's not Charlie Sheen. But yeah, John, it'll come to me in a second right now. John Cryer. There you go. Oh, Bam, yeah. John Cryer, man. Annabeth Gish is the love interest. So if you think about it, this guy was... Oh. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay because he was pretending to be in high school. That's happening more and more. So, Same with like the Bill and Ted where they, they're like calling each other fags. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. so you're like, oh no, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, you know, it's like what, what used to happen with PG, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, PG is a weird thing because Poltergeist is rated PG. See, yes. I, I mean, there's plenty of boobs in PG from back in the day, swearing, you know, it's all there. The, the PG-13 rating was created because they didn't think that they would be able to sell Indiana Jones action figures. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was going to be rated R because there was nothing between PG and R. And so the PG-13 was created by Steven Spielberg and... George Lucas, they lobbied for it to get this PG-13 rating so they could make fucking 
fucking Indiana Jones toys. Let's get an in-betweener, guys. Uh-huh. We really need to get an in-betweener here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need something. <laughs> this, this is a kid's movie. So the characters are Steve-O and Heroin Bob, and they're punk rockers that live in, a, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Best friends. Punk rockers in, in, in Salt Lake City in 1985. This movie doesn't have, like, it doesn't have, like, a plot. Or it has plot. It just doesn't have a story, necessarily. You're, we're just kind of observing these dudes. But, man. The characters in this movie were developed very quickly, very well. This movie isn't linear. It's they're 21. The main character has gone for pre-law at Utah State. And uh, his dad, who is Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, <laughs> fucking great in this part, too. Really good. And like kind of understanding. And him and Matthew Lillard had excellent fucking father-son chemistry. It was, it was weird. Great. But I thought I was really not going to enjoy this movie as much as I did watching it again. It's a good movie. It's a good story. I cared about all the characters a lot more than I thought I would because I think I was stupid when I was that age. You know, like going back and looking at me with fucking green hair and, you know, all yeah, kinds of metal stuck in my just face. Just like greasy hair, the kickwear pants. We've got lighter clips clipped on, you know. the Yeah, the, giant the pants. <laughs> yeah. Giant pants. When we were in high school. Wallet chains out of whatever raw material we could find and throw some hooks on it. Yeah, whatever we bought at a pet store. Yeah, or, oh, look at what I found in the garage. (laughs) It's rusty. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it looks fucking metal. This one's one's heavy. I thought I was going to be disgusted with this shit, but I missed the message when I was younger. This was about creating an identity for yourself around these sort of, like, set of beliefs and then, like, watching the people around you start to drift off into adulthood. And, and having and, to and do you're it realizing yourself. that what you're doing, what you're trying to stand for, isn't going to last. Yeah, and forever. I want to say when I was like 14, 15 years old and saw this movie, I thought, oh, what a bummer of an ending. The ending was a little intense. I saw it as far more optimistic at this age. And and that's not to discourage you. I think that all of this is like a valid time in your life. And I don't know exactly what 80s punk was like. I think this was, I did write down in my notes that this was a, a depiction of 80s punk rock in a 90, late 90s way. Almost like making yeah. our generation feel like they could re-experience punk rock because we're going to make it look a little bit like what you know punk rock to be. At the time this was made, punk rock was not doing well, man. No, like, no, this that was, was like late the 90s. height of the Offsprings. Like, you know? Yeah, because Offspring was, you know, they were still in the game, but they were already, you know, getting a little older. But yeah. we still, you know, I, I saw them at the MTV Sports and Music Festival in 98. <laughs> yeah, now, Offspring is largely responsible for, like, kind of bringing punk rock into that part of punk rock, you know, pop punk that I don't, that really kind of upsets me. Yeah, this movie had <laughs> so much good music in it. I didn't get everything. There was definitely more stuff. Also, some random shit that I didn't expect to be in there. But I, as I was watching the movie, I wrote down every band. And I recognized and I, I you said you didn't recognize as many of or you didn't at least know what the bands were. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't know a lot about punk. Yeah, music, luckily, so. when I was in high school, my girlfriend in high school had better taste in music than I did. I thought it was worse <laughs> at the time. But it, as it turns out, she she did wonders for my music taste. I wouldn't have listened to this. I wouldn't have found this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. But now it's like important as far as like music I listen to later in in punk history. So like it opens with Sex and Violence by Exploited, which was amazing. The amazing 90s opening credits. <laughs> it was that sort of like Mallrats had that same yeah, opening credits. Yeah, it's fast-paced. It's got the real, you know. Yeah, it had a very Empire Records moment. Lots of clippings in the opening credits. It's real. Yeah. It, it Anarchy. Was, yeah, it was a very like, you know, Tank Girl had the same kind of opening. Oh, I yeah. think a lot of Polly Shore movies had that sort of <laughs> opening too. 
fucking biodome. Almost certainly biodome. Fucking <laughs> bi- it's the first thing that popped in my head when you said that was biodome. Thinking globally. <laughs> Free the mahi mahi. I can't do a Polly Shore impression, but man, that movie is stuck in my consciousness for life. Oh yeah, and which Baldwin was that? Was that a uh, Stephen? Stephen, the one that Steven. got all Christiany. <laughs> Oh, he got all Christiany. Yeah, he did. He was like friends with Head from Corn, and they were like being weird Jesus freaks together. Oh, they were doing the Jesus thing together. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I was waiting for them to form the next DC talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the music. I wasn't. I, I wasn't very knowledgeable on the music in this one. I liked it. The, everything fit the movie. Yeah, what I wrote down was this movie had the Stooges, Fear, Camper Van Beethoven, Ramones, the Suicide Machines, the Specials, NLR. For some reason, there's a Van Halen song at some point. I can't remember the context was of it. There I may a have Van been Van Halen song. I think it might have been one of the redneck scenes where they they mercilessly beat up rednecks in this movie. They which don't was, like Nazis. They don't like rednecks. And being in Salt Lake City, there's a lot of rednecks. Yeah, and I felt like this movie was trying to be in the same vein as like an empire records version of kids and romper stomper maybe don't let the man bring you down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you couldn't have made that they had to bring up the nazi punk thing and them hating nazi punks on the cusp of you know american history x i think came out around the same time american history x was i, I think it would be shortly after this movie if not the same time but the other things i wrote down were the vandals minor threat velvet underground dead kennedy's roxy music blondie spandu ballet I, those might have happened in scenes where they were referencing like new wave kids and mods yeah because you're yeah because there were mods there was the mod group also crazy thing did you notice that uh the the guy from the greg erikai or iraqi or i think it's erikai greg erikai movies doom generation okay uh what was the what was the one in la where he's like i'm dark the absence of light I think his biggest role was he was Frank the Bunny Rabbit in Donnie Darko. James Duvall. Yes. Smallest fucking part in this movie. He was one of the like mod kids, which their defining quality was they rode around on Vespas. Vespas, and they had the, <laughs> you know, the tight suits. That's something I'm not familiar with. That's not and, a thing. And that the came punks back. weren't necessarily cool with the mods, but Steve O, the main character, Matthew Lillard, was friend with James Duval's character, the mod. It comes into play big time at the end of the movie, their friendship. At some height of the movie, they show them when they're kids and they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and listening to Rush. And I was like, that was a nice like 80s thing I didn't notice before. Yeah, at- Except for heroin Bob is dressed like a fucking and he was going out for the cast of Newsies. <laughs> <laughs> that shirt, yeah, and the shirt, fucking hat. I wearing? should have wrote down the band that was on the shirt. It was a, it was definitely like an. It was it? It was something like. It was Journey. another like eighties. Yeah, it was like Journey, but it wasn't rock. Journey. It wasn't Boston. It wasn't Boston. It was, but it's somewhere along those lines. And this scene takes place. At the end of the movie. Was it a Yes shirt? I don't believe it was. Oh, okay. I don't believe so. No, I'm just going to keep I remember saying it was rock, green. rock bands. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was green and white with some yellow. It's weird. I can remember the colors. I can't remember what the Yeah, but they were listening to was. Rush, and he's like, Rush is cool, man. They're very technical. And <laughs> this cracked is, me this the is fuck the one up. point in the, morning where, in the movie where it gives you backstory on before they became punks. It was like one of those last moments of purity almost. Yeah, it's when they were like nerds, and they find this identity that they made for themselves. And by the end of the movie, when Steve-O falls in love at first sight he realizes that she points out that it's fashion how much time he's spending doing his hair yeah she's like if you're so much against the establishment why are you wearing a uniform weird when i was in high school i wrote a lot of notes to myself to like remember you feel this way kind of shit and i have all that stuff too Mm -hmm. like notebooks full of it and uh i don't feel that way (laughs) 
anymore. I am not going to color my hair fucking red to get attention. Like there is, it's an asset blending into a crowd. Your writing was so different than mine. I found that like one of my poem sheets and one of them was like italic. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote really pretentious shit when I was in high school, too. I remember writing, like, I have a piece of paper from high school that says, like, an isthmus of feeling (laughs) in the waves. And I was like, God, you are so fucking gross. You fucking try hard. So (laughs) goth. Okay, well, and you know the other some of the other characters in this movie, they're they're punks, they're hardcore. And one of the things they said that he said at the beginning when he's kind of introducing who he is, it, yeah, the movie is fourth wall breaking meta. You know, he talks directly to you. It's almost like a documentary, not Charlie. Yeah, one of the lines he said was, "Our tribe was small," and I loved that. I was just like, "Our tribe was small." Like <laughs> I could really appreciate that. Like he knew who his people were at the time. Yeah, it. The there writing, were others like him. The storytelling, the character development, so quickly is really on point with this movie. It's a shorter length movie. It doesn't have like a things are getting bad or something happens to spur the whole plot on or anything like that. It's really like a rundown of what punk rock was like in Salt Lake City. You got the feeling that the person was there. No matter what generation, I think you're going to find something relatable. in this. Yeah, movie. one of the other interesting characters that I loved and I was getting hyped about it because I remembered that he was in it. Steve-O, the main character, plays down his whole image. He's not trying to be a part of something, but he is being who he is yeah well there's a member of their group mike jason oh, yeah Siegel. jason siegel i forgot jason siegel was in this i forgot annabeth gish was in this i forgot jason siegel jason was in siegel's it. in it and he's mike he's the friend that he looks like a nerd out of the 80s but he's hardcore and their drug dealer till schweiger hugo stieglitz god he was funny man he played that part really well they go buy drugs from him and he's showing them all the stuff in his house i feel like this is a version of drug dealer visits you know <laughs> Like where you, you go over to the guy's to talk house and he's to like, him. check out the TV. You had to listen to him and look at his new things. Yeah, and you're like, I just want a bag of weed, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get out of here? I saw this cool YouTube video. <laughs> wait, wait. Have you ever watched South Park? <laughs> what? And he's got an interesting story. His family died in a plane crash, but he survived. So that's how he got his money. But then he tells the story about the mom dying in the plane crash. Oh, yeah, he did tell the story. Yeah, she looked over and smiled and said everything's going to be okay. Yeah, but he was the right mix of funny and scary. He really nailed that fucking part, Yeah, there's the scene where he thinks all of a sudden he's like, wait, the weed's missing. And he accuses Bob. And poor Bob's just sitting on the couch passed out. Yeah, and this is the character who he only drinks and smokes cigarettes, which I feel like I knew punk rock dudes that were like that. They were like anti-drugs. But man, that guy was drunk as fuck. You know? Exactly. And so Heroin Bob, he was afraid of needles. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have to go into the whole plot. You've probably either watched it or if you haven't, it's worth watching. It's really good. It is. It's a good movie. It's fun. Man, I just didn't. There were a lot of like things I didn't remember about this movie that hit me a different way being older. Most of what I remembered from this movie was for the first half hour of it. I didn't remember the like whole kind of downfall of his identity. And it started happening when Bob starts dating Trish, Annabeth Gish. Oh, Trish Annabeth Gish. (laughs) (laughs) And she's kind of like a goth that runs a bong store. And she's a little older than they are. So they look to her as this wise figure. She's always constantly looking off camera and saying something goth through the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, goth, insightful, earth- yeah, but this movie Friendly. was what it was. You know, it wasn't ashamed of what it was. And so it came off not as like kind of gross 90s glorifying childishness that was happening. You know, them getting in fights and beating up rednecks and it stuff like that. It was raw enough and 
you know they touched on things. Devin Sawa's character, Sean. Oh my God, Devin Sawa! I had originally thought you that feel, this was just a cameo, but more. he's like a a real deep part of the plot. He's the thing that starts to you collapse. See, yeah, his character rock, comes but. up in these key points in the story. He does it so good. So <laughs> he, he, yeah, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but he's he's selling. You know, yeah, he's like the the cautionary tale that Bob tells him, where he was like in high school, he was running across a football field with a sheet of acid in his pocket. The sprinklers are on yeah and then he just the like, acid soaks into his lying so bad and that was like always that would have been the fear back then thing i also weirdly at that point i wrote down what the fuck is bob wearing because he's wearing <laughs> like an anarchy track jacket base color white and what it has like red and blue stripes yeah and i don't sleeve. feel like he would have been wearing that no and it's got the anarchy <laughs> a on the left chest plate you yeah know, more of like, a more of an army jacket kind of guy with the mohawk and everything. yeah but it's a it's a real it's just a really clean yeah, anarchy I, windbreaker i was really shocked for what this movie was that everyone was so good in it even the actors you never really see again you see heroin bob pop up in other things law and order episodes he's in a ton of tv yeah ton of tv he was really good in this part matthew lillard fucking killed it he nails it oh my god bob overdoses on something even though he doesn't do drugs matthew lillard cries on that scene and i fucking felt it matthew lillard has this acting quality that makes me feel strained i think it's all the saliva that flies out yeah that you stabbed me too many times billy (laughs) (laughs) that mouth man yeah really intense he's really annoying in hackers but this was oh this was the right place for matthew lillard at the time and i have rewatched that more recently than not just to see it's really bad that shit's all over the place yeah we could talk about how that movie it does not hold up yeah hackers is difficult that was really a product of his time i like everyone in it johnny lee miller is always good johnny lee miller but even he is not very good in hackers (laughs) oh that (laughs) must have been early in his faking in america and i feel like angelina jolie was so exploited in that movie but it's fine yeah i mean it's not fine it's i i I did not mean it like that it's yeah that was the time it's it's just one of those things back then i would never have thought that i watched that movie now i'm like they exploited the shit out of this woman was she in ga yet oh i feel like that was probably right right before yeah it was either right before or right after uh, yeah they were both like she was game to do that sort of thing at the time what late 90s or yeah and girl i interrupted I, I talk a lot i i know that it's uncomfortable to film sex scenes for actors but i miss people fucking in movies <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a real part of life and i know you can make you know i don't necessarily i i have an upgrade i don't want to watch fucking crash by david cronenberg <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a weird absence of sex scenes. I guess they were becoming sort of perfunctory. Like you were jamming sex scenes in unnecessarily. And it was probably pretty uncomfortable for the actors. And I'm sure they don't want to do them. So we do a lot of like dancing around sex scenes now. Yeah, it's not as... It used to be more of a blunt blunt kind of thing. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, when I look for something smutty and if I'm going to read a book or something like that, it tends to be... When you're looking for the smutty. It, yeah, every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm keeping an eye out like, oh, really? I get it. I'm a fan of sex scenes and books. <laughs> I mean, I don't see Fifty Shades of Gray anywhere in here in this room. No, yet. is it no. hiding? Do I tend to, I tend to go for the stuff that's it like a it's drawer? a lot of build up to the sex and the <laughs> sex is disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is one of those things. They don't they don't do it how they used to. <laughs> yeah. 
long Watchmen style sex scene in the middle of the movie, which I thought Watchmen actually did pretty well. Yeah, uh, there's a scene in SLC Punk. What uh, him and his love interest? I what? yeah, it's kind of gross. There's a long acid trip sequence too. There's the most realistic depiction of an acid trip I think I've seen in a movie from that time. Yeah, it's you can tell the it's an open relationship of sorts, but not really. He's like on the cusp of he just saw Devin Sawa again, and he's he's a fucking beggar now, man. Yeah, <laughs> sucks. Post acid leg trip. Yeah, um, so taking the, all this acid like turns you into a homeless man. Yeah, he he sees Sean fried. I'm a, I'm a bum now. Yeah, and leads to a very good scene where he tries to get a job. Which was oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's a great scene. It's it's, a, this what movie is it? was way a couple minutes, than two yeah. or three minutes long, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's intense, and it's like yeah, that's yeah. a dude who's fried out of his gourd recently out of a hospital. <laughs> I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I ran a restaurant. I remember people like that. Yeah. They come in and they'd be like, hey, man, <laughs> I want to work here. Have you sold women's clothes before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would I wear women's clothes? <laughs> and then it's like the contradiction <laughs> coming from him. Yeah. And then he gets mad at her and he's like, I'm not going to fucking get, I don't need this job. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, I have integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I felt that too. Like, yeah. well, that's when you have that crisis. I've seen people that I knew back in the day on the the corner of I thirty five. You know, bumming yeah, for change. You know, I know somebody. It's uh, so you know, some people. Have you seen so and so on the corner yeah, breaker I mean, in thirty five? And I'm like, you, that it hurts. It hurts bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't give them any money, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's things happen in life out of people's control. There's and there's sometimes there's nothing you can do about it yourself. Yeah, and, but the way they developed these characters, it was really kind of, it had a different effect on me. When I was a kid, I was watching this decline of his punk rock as being this like, oh man, what a defeat. He's not going to be punk anymore. I'm going to be fucking metal for life, you know, but now I was like, oh, I get it. And I get the attachment to it. One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is right before the closing credits. Matthew Lillard attends the funeral and after the funeral, he's sitting on a bench and there's a point where he says, I guess when all is said and done, I was nothing more than a goddamn trendy ass poser because at this point he's realizing it's time to conform well i don't even think he realizes that it's time to conform i just think he at the end of it he realizes it doesn't fucking matter yeah and then that's more what you realize when you you fall out of that as you get older is it doesn't matter that i show off who i am to everybody else yeah and that was kind of the most punk rock shit granted it's the 80s, Reagan era. He becomes a lawyer, and he's like, I'm going to fuck the system up from inside. From and you didn't, inside. bro. The shit is fucked up now, man. It's not good. <laughs> the economy sucks. Getting a job sucks. Trickle down what? Yeah. 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 Thanks a lot, Reagan, you motherfucker. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. You know, you made the Fight Club comparison then versus now, and it's the same thing. It, it doesn't hit the same way, but you're seeing it from a different perspective, and you're realizing there are those plot points. Sean, even Mike, the hardcore Jason Siegel character we were talking about. Yeah, Jason Siegel was he the heart the of it. He becomes a botanist at the end of it. He yeah. goes to school for botany. He wants to save the rainforest. And he, and he like punches to... the table. He's like, I'm going to do this good Early Jason Siegel, after Freaks and Geeks, but before everything else, everything else, <laughs> everything else that makes Jason Siegel great. And then, uh, yeah, Hugo Stieglitz character Mark disappears. You know, he comes to say goodbye. We never saw Mark again. Hugo Stieglitz. <laughs> it was Hugo Stieglitz. Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's right. He that's was him. in that, wasn't he? Oh, my God. You're like, why does Frank keep saying this random name? Yeah, I was like, I'm his like... name is Till Schweiger. <laughs> no, it's Hugo, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, 
Yeah, but he has the... I don't even think that's really his voice because he's talking in this high-pitched German accent. It's one of those that I can't even replicate. If you, He's a, like, I got this place beta max. Like, <laughs> laser disc. Oh, that's what it was. Fucking laser disc. I can't even... See, I can't yeah. do it. I can't do an impression of that How many voice. people do you think are out there with HD DVDs? HD DVDs? Yeah, you remember they failed? Oh, they, I they, remember. Somebody has this has a collection with that separate weird little player. Because remember, they were like rectangle-shaped every time I saw them. Up. Yeah, like it looked like a drive yeah, they for, were a weird. Ta- for, your, for a desktop. But I feel so bad for people who threw in on that. They were like, I like HD DVD. <laughs> Blu-ray was creeping right there behind them. This was also the, I think, South Park kind of showed me what Mormonism was. I had never really thought about it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the first time I was brought up as an oppressive force in something when I was a kid. SLC Punk was the only exposure I had to it. And then it was something I really didn't pay attention to. And it's yeah, and of- they really didn't get into it that much other than the town was founded on these religious values. And they bring up that it's Zion. I don't think I even caught all that stuff. Well, at one point... Olympia and I had neighbors in this apartment building, two younger guys from Utah, and they moved to Austin because, you know, it's Austin. Yeah. So they were just coming to see what was up. Mm-hmm. But they told us a lot about Utah and, and being a Mormon and what it means if you go against the grain. It's kind of fascinating and ridiculous. Well, what I learned was BLM is a beast. The Bureau of Land Management. There's that- there's weird things that come out of Utah that I'm like, right on, man. Like they made it they made it illegal to call the police on your neighbors for letting their kids play outside alone, what? unsupervised. Because they were like, that's a perfectly normal part of child development. Stop fucking calling the calling cops the- on your neighbors. Like the kids need to play alone. <laughs> and I was like, right on. Fucking <laughs> fuck Utah. Yeah. yeah. Because my childhood was great and we were fucking completely unmonitored well yeah well one of the things they touched on that movie in the 80s i'm not sure what the laws are like now but the state-run liquor stores Uh, i'm sure they're still pretty strict even here was it hayes county was dry when we were in high school Uh, lano county a lot of the counties surrounding and the country came out when i said lano county lano county (laughs) lano county was dry yeah (laughs) you couldn't get nothing out there after a certain time yeah and i mean i didn't you know, yeah. I, I didn't have too many other big notes on SLC Punk, except for I, I would watch it again. Uh, I'm going to let my kid watch it one day. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm going to let Meadow check that out. I think that was a valid part of things. I did. I took it the wrong way when I was a kid. And I missed the message that it sent, which I thought was pretty good. I did not. There is a SLC Punk 2. Punk's not dead. I don't think either of us have ever seen it. I'd completely dismissed it, but Scott's been telling me things about it on and off. And now I'm I looked I'm up curious. a bunch of stuff about it. Heroin Bob is in it, even though he's dead. I think it's his kid, I want to say. But it's the same writer, same director. He didn't really do a whole lot else after this. And you said that you saw Devin Sawa in the credits? Yeah, he's, he's listed as being in the credits. <laughs> Let's reprise the role of Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one thing. I kind of hope he turns out okay, actually. I feel kind of bad for him. I want to acknowledge what I found to be the most fucking ridiculous part of SLC Punk. What's that? The blue mohawk. Oh, the giant blue mohawk that yes. he has when he's talking to his parents and it flipping them off. It was such a bad fucking makeup job. <laughs> like, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it was clearly glued onto it his It was head. glued on with some, like, super but padded it, down It here. had the mohawk bounce, the, the glue the, mohawk. The hair itself like, was fine, but the apparatus as to, you know... Attaching it, it to his head Yeah, that... It was fucked looking. Well, and I read I, in the trivia that he was supposed to have bleed 
bleached hair and so he was bleaching it with peroxide and apparently gave him a rash all over his head so they oh, dyed his hair blue to, to cover, cover up the rash. the rash that's why his hair is blue in the movie that's why it's blue in the movie the character was supposed to have just peroxide bleached hair but something about the peroxide like irritated his scalp so bad maybe they, that's why all my hair fell out and i have such a shitty hairline because i used to hydrogen peroxide the shit out of my hair maybe i don't know my hair's real fried from remember it would turn that red color i almost looked yeah. calico I don't oh, know why yeah, I, did I remember that. that. It was, sometimes I did, it was orange. There was at one point in high school I dyed my hair black and then had to color strip the hair to get it to be brown again. Uh huh. And so that meant I had to color strip it, turned your hair bright orange <laughs> and like gritty, you know, like it felt like sand. It was well, fucked up. And I felt like we would do stupid shit, or at least I did. I really wanted it to be like a platinum blonde or white. And the way I thought to do it was to go find the strongest blonde of the more expensive dye. Yeah, girls have figured that out now. I like it, too. I, <laughs> I really think it's cool looking. Well, you my know, hair the, is like dark gray, brown. Gray, white hair. Mine would just turn orange. It never got Well, that's that's any... what your hair co color is when you strip color from it. Like, it's just an orange. Young me was like, it's going to be like on the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was an idiot. No, you got to do that and then dye it some other thing. On yeah, so between it. getting the most platinum blonde dye I could find in hydrogen peroxiding the shit out of my hair, my goal was not achieved. Yeah, I, I never reached it. Bowl haircuts. It, it was so much effort. I don't, I don't miss any of that. You mm -hmm. know, buying expensive, weird clothing that isn't gonna even last. <laughs> I don't know. I think the only pair of kickwear I have, I turned into like kickwear shorts. I hung on to one of those giant pairs of pants for a long time, but I don't know where they are now. So I honestly feel like I have that one pair that I turned into shorts in a box somewhere. Yeah, I hope somebody took them and made ten pants for small children. <laughs> denim, denim, denim. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a good movie as far as is it a good movie i i like i liked doing one that we got to go back and rewatch something that i hadn't seen in a long time and out of what we've watched so far and discussed this is the one that i've watched the most they're not all gonna be like this though we're gonna no. go back and watch some movies and talk about them and they're gonna be not as good for sure it's gonna happen. I like a few movies I've gone back to watch recently for that re it's the, this is not what I remember. It's not as good. I'm so sorry, Olympia, that I made you watch Troy. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry that I made her watch Troy and I thought it was a, in some way a good movie. It's not like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which is even better now. Look, man, if you got <laughs> Brian Adams on the soundtrack. <laughs> Is Brian Adams on the Troy soundtrack? Or are you talking about Prince of Thieves? Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not even, do you remember uh, Three Musketeers movie with... Uh, Charlie Sheen and... Keanu, Kiefer, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And, and it, on the soundtrack, it had Rod Stewart, Brian Adams, and Sting all on the same thing. <laughs> it's like they put the fucking tips of their penis together and a white light came out for this fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Dude. <laughs> Hey, we should watch Labyrinth sometime. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I watched that so much as a kid. Yeah. That bulge, man. I oh, it always blows my mind. The did you watch Mind Hunter? Yeah. So the guy from Mind Hunter is like the prince or whatever in Frozen. I've never seen Frozen, but like yeah, even with a kid, that's one that yeah, I, he's I've like started a, it. I'm just not interested in. Frozen. He's like a Broadway like musical theater guy, and in Mind Hunter, he's he doesn't even talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't really talk at all. <laughs> I love the character, though, and I did not watch season two. Olympia told me not to. I liked it. It was all right. Season two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, what were we talking about? I blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to talk about kids' movies? Um, 
<laughs> no, I didn't watch Frozen. Moana's the jam. You know. Oh, I don't want to talk about kids movies. No, you don't want to talk about Encanto? Not unless it's stuff we watch. Secret of Nim. That shit goes real hard. Which Re- one? Secret of Nim? You never watched that? Oh, it's just been a long With time. With the rats in the mental hospital? Yeah, no, no. I've yeah. seen it, but that was not in my regular rotation. I was more of a Little Mermaid, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, I was a fucked up kid. It was like the Watership Down cartoon. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, I did American Tale, an American Tale, and an American, American Tale, Tale is Fifle Goes West. Brutal, man. Oh, I cried as a kid, so I'm, fuck no, I'm not watching that now. Fifle, dude. Don't, you, don't get me started. Yeah, the whole fucking song just popped into my head no (laughs) (laughs) so yes this is a good movie what are we watching next time um we're in between congo and killing of a sacred deer what do we do amy love let's do something silly let's do congo take your hands off my sesame (laughs) cake yeah i for sure haven't seen congo since the 90s so that's gonna be a weird one i remember bruce campbell's in it yeah bruce campbell is in it i'll watch anything bruce Bruce campbell Campbell laura linney ernie hudson and uh, joe p oh and that Gorilla from the Pepsi commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Pat C. (laughs) Amy Love. Amy Love. Peter. (laughs) So you remember a lot about this movie. (laughs) It's a guilty pleasure movie. I watch it like once every other year. I don't know. I do watch it when I see it sometimes. Okay, I'm switching it up. Let's do Killing of a Sacred Because I'm way too familiar. You're way too familiar with Congo. We're going to hold off on it. I'm not as familiar with Congo. I do want to do Congo. Maybe we'll do Congo the next time. (laughs) Let's do Killing of a Sacred Deer because I made it halfway through that movie and fell asleep. Not because I thought it was boring. It just... I don't remember anything. My name is Herkama Hamolka. Yeah. So Frank remembers some <laughs> stuff about killing of a sacred deer, but at least we'll have this. <laughs> well, that was from Congo. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, God. What's his name? Oh, real quick. What's his name? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. He, yeah, he's Pennywise. Herkama Hamolka. <laughs> I'm looking for the lost city of Zin. I really do want to watch Congo, but we're we're gonna do Killing of a Sacred Deer next time because I got, I kind of want to see it. I feel like this has the potential to just be a good movie. It might be really weird though. It's fucking so weird. Okay, there's that's, gonna be a lot to talk about. That's good too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, everybody. Until next time, when we watch a Killing of a Sacred Deer, not Congo, not Congo. We'll do Congo soon. I Fine. promise. Thanks everyone for joining us for the Last Video Store Clerks podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at Last Clerks, Instagram at the Last Video Store Clerks, and you can find Scott at DispatchesFromThePit.com.